0: We taking a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view. Yep. What a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. All right. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. I'm back in my seats. Back on the Boulevard, Monday, February 27th. As always, here to prove to you, there is no such thing as football season. Another victory Monday, guys, for America's team, the 2-0 DC Defenders. It wasn't pretty. Guess what? We don't care. We're 2-0. And And Mikey Manziel, he was riding his high horse all the way into this week. He thought Vegas would bounce back at home. Well, not only was Mikey a no-show to Cashman Field on Saturday evening, he took a stroll down the staircase, and he pried open that crusty cellar door. And who was sitting there with him? The producer, the director, and the owner of our humble abode, Chris Zook. The good news, Zook, somebody has to win in week three.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, are you coming on the show tonight? Ah, we don't need to. Can't wait to see what your bet with Mike will be for week three. It's well, like it's almost like a loser off. Like, someone's got to win.
1: I'm calling him out right now. Oh, I want to bet Beards.
0: Like, like, gone. Like, completely shaven.
1: See, so I don't ain't losing it. Because Mike is pretty sh- woolly. I don't have to shave mine because i know Seattle to do the three of us. We're all bearded losing. here.
0: But he's the wooliest of the three of us by far. For sure. That phew.
1: but a lot of hairs in the game. There's been, <laughs> for Mike there. there's been some text messages flying. Yeah, he hasn't agreed to and that, has He's he? he's trying to weasel out of it. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, that may be some foreshadowing of what Mike was wearing in his segment tonight of what he is. We'll get to that in Man to Man with Mikey Manziel. I just want to say, it may be the Monday after I took a trip to Vegas and got about three hours of sleep over a two-day span, but I am feeling great to be 2-0. The 0-2 crew, for all the chirping that they do, have to deal with me now sitting at the top of the North Division. Like I said, you thought the plunger was bad, Zook. Wait till you see what Mikey Manziel had to wear tonight. Hint, it rhymes with Viper. On tonight's show, we're going to unpack everything that got D.C. to 2-0. Are they a second-half team? The experts say so. Another squad that moved to 2-0, the Houston Roughnecks, will show you how they got there. Wade Phillips, just a great coach. And a spoiler alert, there's a new number one in our XFL Power Poll. Could you guess who that might be? Coming up next. Remember, like and subscribe to the channel. Congrats to the two entries in the PS5 Pick'em that went a perfect 4-for-4 this week. I could not deliver, thanks to Seattle. But some of you did go 4-for-4 again. That's the second straight week somebody did it. Congratulations on your entry to win a PS5 in May. I'll be sending those emails out to you tomorrow. On tonight's show, we also have XFL standings to get to with another game in the books. And boy, things shook up a little bit this week, unexpectedly. I did not think that the games would go the way that they did. I thought that Seattle was going to end up getting back to 1-1. One one. But as you see, I doubted St. Louis, and that did not happen. Now, D.C. and St. Louis playing this week. Huge game for the XFL North first place. Vegas and Seattle in that loser-off. Houston and Arlington... Tough game, but Houston remains undefeated in the XFL going back to 2020. San Antonio evens out their record. And Orlando, who might as well be Team 9 right now, if some of you remember what that was from XFL 2020, in the basement at 0-2. So let's show you how they got there. First game of the weekend, St. Louis and Seattle. In fact, it was an early weekend, a Thursday XFL tilt. And it may be a bit stale at this point because this game did happen four days ago, but I still wanted to go ahead and give you some takeaways because obviously this came right down to the final horn. Um speaking of takeaways, how about those St. Louis Battlehawks? They're just always in the right place at the right time. We'll get to their turnover margin a little later here, but it leads the league. Um, they always seem to just be there and create those turnovers. And to quote Ben Denucci in his pregame interview. We all have a sour taste in our mouths. So you're welcome, Battlehawk fans, for the lemons. So sour, Danucci was still tasting them all those hours later. Seattle goes up 12-0 in this one. Tell me if you've seen that before. Uh, quicker than you could blink. The game was already out of control. St. Louis went down, responded with a touchdown drive to pull themselves back into it. But for as good as Jacor Pearson has been this season, in fact, he scored in this one on a long touchdown from Ben Denucci. He misjudged that punt. And because of it, the Battlehawks got the ball on the plus 23. Credit Seattle's defense on that possession. Held them to just five yards and a field goal try. Doink from 36. So Seattle still in the lead. Donnie Hegman refused to leave the field as Donnie Doinks. He was going to redeem himself. And his defense helped him do so. They forced yet another fumble, this time by Morgan Ellison, who ran very hard but just could not hold to the ball. LaCale London forced that one. He set A.J. McCarron up on the plus 42. So another battle Hawks drive. They had exceptional field position all night long. This time Donnie drilled it from 44 yards out. He got his redemption. And you can guess how that very next possession went for Seattle. Another fumble. This time, it was quite literally the safest call you could have made. QB sneak. But not with Ben DiNucci. Three straight possessions, three straight fumbles. It's almost hard to wrap your head around. DiNucci comes off to the sideline. He's upset. Jim Haslett on that live headset saying, did he really fumble that again? Going back to the play that lost in the game in D.C. DiNucci just can't hang on to that lemon. Hard to watch for Chris Hook and all those Seattle fans because they knew they were the better team. Just really tough, especially after that drive. It was so nicely executed. June Jones at his finest. I just I just can't figure out Seattle. They, that drive took almost half the fourth quarter, and you end it with that. So, A.J. McCarron, what can you say? Hakeem Butler and A.J. hook up for 44 yards. He shakes off Elijah Holder on the touchdown run. Yards after catch. Yak, we love it. Right to the crib. And the next drive for St. Louis, Hegman misses. Field goal was out of his range from 50. But Seattle again, with a chance to finally close a game out. And their final drive was perfection. Seven plays, 60 yards, under two minutes. June Jones just... Great calls on that drive. Completions to Josh Gordon. Jacor Pearson had a big catch. And then the big 6-3 Jordan VC getting a touchdown catch where he went way up, climbed the ladder, and scored. But June Jones goes for three. I could not figure it out. If you go for two there, we're getting at least overtime. Granted, you, you get the conversion. But you get the, the two-point conversion, it's 20- St. Louis comes down. They kick a field goal. We're going to overtime. But June Jones sticking to his ways. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. He wants to go for three. They don't get it. So now it's a one-point game. And apparently A.J. McCarron is the Aaron Rodgers of the XFL because I looked at Chris Zook after that, and I looked at him. I said, too much time. Just too much time for A.J. We saw him do it against San Antonio. He did it again. A minute 11 from their own 24. He got him down a field goal range. Hegman drills it from 44, and that was that. The total pushed, 38. And we leaned the under. We leaned it, 36 and a half. That number climbed. It closed at 38. We did not give that out as an official play. But, man, what a push there on 38. Another week, another ice in the veins offensive drive from A.J. McCarron and Bruce Gradkowski. Credit that offensive line, too, by the way. Great protection of A.J. just to give him all the time he needs. And I'll admit it, I was wrong about the St. Louis BattleHawks. I thought week one was a mirage of sorts. It was not. St. Louis did their job. They're just that good in the fourth quarter. Good coaches make good adjustments. Good players make primetime plays. And that is what St. Louis is all about. Frankly, I couldn't believe it but they come through as an underdog. Plus four, if you had the money line, it was plus 140. St. Louis to 2-0. and It's a shame it has to end next week. I did tweet out, can you imagine St. Louis being on the road for the first three weeks and then having to come back home to the Dome in week four where they're now selling tickets on the upper level? Can you imagine being 3-0? and It's a real shame they got to run into D.C. this weekend. That would have been cool to see. Speaking of my defenders... Where did we go for our Boulevard Bowl tour in week two? Well, if you didn't catch the Thursday show, of course. We were in Las Vegas. And as you see there, Ben DiNucci might lead the league in passing yards, but he does not lead the league in wins. The D.C. Defenders 2-0 and XFL North matchup got them there. Thank you again to all the fine folks out at Cashman Field. I got out, shout out Dylan Mooney. Uh, the director of social media for the Vegas Vipers. I found him in the snake pit. We chopped it up for a little bit. He didn't kick me out. Thank you, Dylan. The food was great in the press box and and great access again. So thank you. Another successful trip for me in Las Vegas. And I actually won on slots. It's a miracle, Sook. Not only did I get to go to Circa and do that hit for VEASAN Live, if you didn't catch that, check my Twitter, but I actually came out a winner in slots too. That's That's shocking for me. Um, It was a work trip, by the way. I don't want to hear it. I was working. So um, I was out in the field for most of the first half in the midst of what felt like a Purdue-Illinois game in late November. Just awful weather conditions. I did retreat to the press box in the second half, but I came down to celebrate with DC at the end of the game. Um, Quick take on Cashman Field. The great Aaron Rodgers once said, expect nothing and be grateful for everything. And how does that apply here? Well, I know there were many of you that were let down by the overall standards that we had here at Cashman Field, whether that was complaining about the playing surface, the scaffolding that was the ESPN broadcast booth, or even the attendance on Saturday night. Listen, if you don't like football, don't watch it. And of course, I've been beating the XFL drum for years. You don't got to tell me that. But many of you need to have the same attitude that the players did. I was walking around in warm-ups. And of course, it's common sense that the players were not pleased with the conditions. I'm not going to name names. But there were absolutely guys questioning this. One of them went as far as to say he was going to get hurt if they didn't fix this going forward. But what did the players do? when that clock and warm-ups winded down. When it was time to get dressed and play, they suited up and they played for the love of football. So they know that there's a right way to go about these kind of things, right? You have to do this not on game day. Meet with the league, get a union of players together, and talk about this. What can we do to fix Cashman Field? And if you were already an XFL hater, like the folks that replied to every single one of my tweets on Saturday, then I don't know what to tell you. You already have bias about the XFL that you are just simply confirming through watching the games. So why even watch them? If you go into this thinking the XFL will never compete with the NFL, this is a Bush league, bad players, bad coaches, whatever they say, bad viewership. You're going to take every opportunity you get to slam the XFL. So stop confirming your own bias and just turn it off. And you can wait until September to watch a football game. Not me, not these players, not these coaches. They're going to play some football. And it's funny how immediately I respond to one of you that was blasting me. And it's not you guys. I love you guys that are watching the show. It's these Twitter trolls. I I respond to one tweet. I get blocked. (laughs) Right away. So it kind of shows you how the scum of the earth these people are. But, again, let's just get into the game. It's almost like they didn't even have to play it because on Thursday we broke down perfectly what was going to go on in this one. Uh, It's almost like I wrote the script here. It's terrible weather. It benefits the D.C. offense. They rack up 229 yards on the ground, five and a half yards per carry. And that was after the starting left tackle. Cody Conway went down in the first quarter. He was carted off. Couldn't put any weight on his leg. Actually hobbled off the field, credit to him. They put him in the tent, and then he was carted off. But, again, a DC line that's already without Jersey Mike Mietti at center. So they had two backups in. They held their own. Great job by those guys. Best of the Boulevard nominee for sure. Um, I saw DC went and picked up Bruno Reagan, which is huge because he played in XFL 2020 for St. Louis. Great timing, by the way, to go out and get a former Battlehawk. Uh, not only was Jordan Tamu – a former battle hawk, but now you got their center. So a lot of that center QB exchange will be interesting. See if St. Louis is talking any trash on Sunday afternoon, but look, Rod Woodson said it best after the game in his press conference. He was very to the point. He said, DC ran two plays in the second half QB dive and zone. That was all they did and they couldn't stop it. And this foreshadows why we have movement in our XFL power pole. What coach in any level of football do you hear come in a press conference and tell you the opposing team ran two plays and they couldn't stop them? There's nothing they could do. That's a damn good football team on the other side of that. When they know what's coming, they still can't stop it. Huge credit there to Fred Kaiser's offense and the, the guys up front, too, for paving the way. Um, and the Vegas offense was exactly what I thought it would be, completely useless in the rain. They're just not built for it. I told you, Dwayne Taylor's offenses, they run a spread, just just not built for it. Their lone score came in credit to the defense. Jordan Tamu fumbles the ball on the first drive. They get set up right on the short porch, and they run it in for one yard. That was it. That was the only points for Vegas on the day. Uh, And that was credit to PETA, big number zero, with a great play there for Vegas off the edge. Reggie Northrup, he got him back. If you saw my Twitter before the game, Reggie said, Luis, we coming for you. And he did on that two-point try for Vegas on the first drive. He walloped them. So, like I said, D.C.'s offensive line, our best of the boulevard. Derek King just weaving in and out of those lanes that they paid for him. Abram Smith went ahead and got one as well. And here we are, guys. We are on to St. Louis. I wonder where our boulevard bowl tour will go in week three. It's a real head-scratcher here. A lot of great options, but I just haven't figured it out yet, Zook where could we possibly go in week 3? <laughs> we'll see. So that's DC moving to 2 and 0. Man to man with Mikey Manzel, a treat for you coming up this week. I cannot wait to see his segment. And you're going to figure out real fast what Mike went through on Saturday afternoon watching his Vegas Vipers take the L. Coming up next, Man to man with Mikey Manzel. We'll be right back here on the boulevard.
2: Welcome to week two XFL football. This is Mikey Manziel and this is Man to Man. A lot of you may be asking what the hell am I wearing? First of all, you gotta thank Maddie Fresh. Uh, As you can see back here, I'll tell you what uh, that game did not go as planned for me. Uh, Spirit Airlines jacked me up again. This is two weeks in a row. Maddie's first class, Uh, I didn't even get there. No one wrote me a letter of recommendation. Um, I will say, we got our good old sippy cup instead of our beaten stick today. And I got a binky for myself, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I did get one for Maddie Fresh too. We're gonna get us started in the third quarter here, probably with my top play of the game. it was crazy. Our field goal kicker here, it was rainy out, you know, a little damp conditions. You'd think, okay, hey, it's a 29 yard field goal, 23 yard field goal, my bad, sorry. I, I was giving him some, you know, some props. 23 yard field goal, he lines up here, snaps good, and he tries to absolutely massive leg this kick. He slips and falls, and that's not the only thing I saw on this play. When we go to replay here, and it shows what type of cleats he has on, he is wearing not one. Just one football cleat. And the second is a soccer cleat. Let's see it again. Here it is. The hold's good. Boom. Right here. Look at this. White shoe. Black shoe. I don't know. I, 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 I Honestly, I can't watch this anymore. You know, I'm sitting at home. minding my business after this whole flight debacle. I'm glad it's raining. I wish it was snow. And... Maddie Fresh is at it again Texting me, going at me Zook's typing me And Zook doesn't even know what football is He just He's just sitting here And, and if you don't know who Zook is He's the guy with the plunger last week He's also a victim of Maddie Fresh We're going to go into probably My favorite quarterback in this league uh, AJ McCarron And in all seriousness This is what the XFL really needed um, AJ McCarron is a dog I mean, just watch this. He takes over here in the fourth quarter. We got a little out route by the coaches some pro. Boom. Perfect ball. Goes for the pick. First down. You know, he, he was just on his on his A-game in the second half. Fourth quarter included. Big time. The, the, the offensive coordinator didn't even put anything out here. Here we go. Probably really, really big touchdown throw back. Takes a shot. Quick slant over the middle. Big 88 says, get the frick off me. Scores a touchdown. And St. St. Louis didn't even didn't even look back. Again, the quarterback for the St. Louis Battle A.J. McCarron. And this is not because of his wife, ladies and gentlemen. A.J. McCarron is the best quarterback in the XFL. I put all my marbles on the over 37 and a half. And here we go. Promise go here. little quick out. And the tight ends in this game for the promise. Big plays. I'll tell you what. Tipped ball at the line. What concentration by Big 88. Big Mac. Mac Truck. Running down the field, look at this. Tipped at the line, boom. Moan for Cone's like, oh shit. Here's another pick. Reminds me of college. Never mind. We got a tight end running down the sideline. Big Mac Truck. But here we go. We got Moan for Cone. He's in the shotgun formation. We got twins to the right. Little tight end in the middle. And watch this play. Tight end releases out. And what a beautiful pass by Moan to one other than Mac Truck. Tight end play here, everybody. He was on fire here. I don't know why they do not throw him the ball 20 times a game. He could be, honest to God, the best tight end in the league for me. Jake Cohen really had a bounce back game this week. This game was chippy. They were talking shit. And there was a lot of hard hitting going on in this game. Um, Arlington, Houston, you know, the interstate rivals. We, we had a pretty good game going on our hands. We got Plitt and shotgun. Um, it it's third and 13. You'd think a downfield pass. They're doing a little flip screen here. Good the block there, a little chip. And again, missed tackles. And they thought they got the first down here. And this is a big spot. I, I thought they were going to challenge this just because they did uh, have one. But guess what? <laughs> Houston. Quarterback knew he was going to die there. Stepped out of bounds play another day Cole McDonald had a farm but we're gonna go back here now they got their starter in the passing quarterback he's a dog takes a three-step drop and boom fires a strike across the middle <laughs> what can I say they really do know how to close games out here too um, they got two quarterbacks that can really play this game um, and I, I really feel like this could be uh you know their year now again I'm in my men's depends I got my sippy cup, and I got my little binky here. Matt, you can't silence me. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to go back to that shitty studio wherever Matt and Zook are.
0: Shitty studio? (laughs) How about that shitty diaper? Mike? The Viper Diaper. We need to absolutely trademark that. Print (laughs) the the t-shirts. The
1: Viper diaper. Print
0: the t-shirts. I love it. Mike in his diaper. The Viper diaper. And the audacity to blame the poor folks at Spirit Airlines. They were trying everything they could. It's not easy when you got somebody on the no-fly list.
1: (laughs) I take it personal when he says (laughs) shitty studio.
0: Shitty studio?
1: I'm I'm sorry we're not recording in my living room
0: in his binky crying about losing his best bet crying about the vipers (laughs) what are we gonna do with this guy he can't even show up at his home stadium he called himself the sergeant of the snake pit and there's people coming up to me on the sideline hey where's that idiot we need him nothing out of Mikey Manziel a complete no-show but he had time to send us that for five and a half minutes.
1: <laughs> Glad he could spare us five minutes uh, of his time.
0: Let's get on with the show. Um, this next game, I won't lie, I'm a little disappointed <laughs> here with this under. I have a bone to pick with this game. This is the last time, guys, I take an Orlando under. I simply cannot trust the Guardians to not hand other, the other team points just on a silver platter, just served up points to San Antonio. That block punt did us in. You can handicap a game a million different ways. You can look at stats. You can look at data, trends, whatever. You cannot account for plays like that block punt. You take that moment away, we cash. But it's irrelevant. It does not matter because special teams are part of the game. So we lost that bet because I didn't factor in special teams. Just a bad play on my part. Um, but a great play by San Antonio's Travis Johnson to get through on that block punt for as much as it drove a dagger through my chest. Tough way to lose that one. But before you Brahmas fans jump down my neck here for me saying, I counted you out, I didn't trust the Jamie Elizondo offense, remember who you played. Disclaimer, a win against Orlando Will not affect your standings in our XFL power poll. And I know it doesn't matter because the power poll matters for who gots. But I don't care that you beat Orlando. It's a scrimmage at this point. What is going on with the Orlando Guardians? If you play the Orlando Guardians close this year, I'm going to drop you in the poll. It's that simple. This football team is horrendous. And I have to give it to the 12,000 faithful that showed up at Camping World Stadium to see what offensive linemen were trying to call plays. Deandre Francois out there, STFU. I mean, six for 13 for eight yards for Deandre Francois. He did throw a touchdown pass. Six for 13 for eight yards. Zuck, me, you, and nine viewers could go out there and I'd give myself six for 13 for eight yards. I might take a few sacks and end up in the hospital. How do you complete six passes for eight yards? I just, if you were a fan at this game, major respect. You are the true diehards that we need. I hope that your commitment will never waver, even when the Guardians do go winless, because we need fans of bad teams. Chris Zook himself isn't enough. We need more fans of bad teams. Whoa, watch it.
1: Watch it.
0: You better blow out Orlando when you get him this year. Uh, The weather was the only good thing we had. There was not a cloud in the sky in Orlando on Sunday evening. Uh, I said Jack Cohn would have a chance to look better, and he did. Of course he did. Uh, Brandon Silvers also looked good against this defense, and he took a little bit of a step back, I thought, in our next game coming up. So that's something to keep an eye on. Is it just Orlando's defense is that bad? I thought their run defense held up, by the way. I think San Antonio only, what, 2.5 yards per carry. Belage and Patrick both held to, like, under 20 yards rushing. So the tight end play is what stood out to me for San Antonio. Uh, Alizé Mack and Dion Yelder, both with a score. Uh, non-existent running game, like we mentioned. Um, we knew that San Antonio offensive line was kind of in shambles going in, so I think they can get that fixed and have a better rushing attack going forward. But they found a way to win, and to quote Terrell Buckley, when asked if there were any silver linings in this game for Orlando, No. Nothing. I think T Buck's days are numbered in Orlando. Because remember, guys, fans here, what are they used to? The Orlando Apollos, the champions of the AAF, the short lived AAF back in 2019. Who coached that team? Oh, yeah. Steve Spurrier. A higher standard for football in Orlando. And I don't want to react, like overreact, I should say, to the San Antonio win. I have to give credit where it's due, though. This is still not a playoff team, guys. And if they can prove me wrong in Houston on Sunday night, I'll be shocked. But I don't think San Antonio is built to make this run at the playoffs. I think people will overreact, and I think people will place them higher in the power rankings. But remember, Houston did the same exact thing to Orlando. So don't overreact. You still have things to clean up. It was a good showing from Cohn. Do we see Reed Sinet at any point in the San Antonio offense? You saw him on the sidelines. Him and Cone seem to have a good relationship. Cone leading the league in completion percentage. Have to give him that. I just don't see how you only go for like under 40 yards on the ground against an Orlando team that just does not have the capability to really stop much of anything. I mean, you you had almost 100 rushing yards against St. Louis. Where was the run? They, they were just stuffed up front. So they have their issues. The block punt helped them out huge. Uh, Jack Cohn, I think, will settle in a little bit. But that Houston game coming up on Sunday, we'll have a full preview for uh, the Thursday show. But that's going to be tough. I think opening line was 4.5, Houston favored by. So San Antonio getting a little credit. I think Arlington was also 4.5 point dogs at Houston. So shows you that the sports books view the week three version of Heinz Ward's Brahmas the same way they might view the week two version of the Renegades. So promising, but I just, I don't want to overreact to this. I think that a win against Orlando should not hold any weight at this point. And that's all we're going to say about this game. It was ugly. And it's a shame that it got the ESPN slot because I think this next game would have been better suited for it. So I hope people found their way to ESPN too, because this game kicked off right after uh, the Orlando game. So we lose that under miserably. I should say I lose it, and whoever tailed me loses it. But uh, to quote Ben DiNucci, I had a sour taste in my mouth after losing that under. So what did I do? I turned to the over in our next game, Arlington and Houston. Got it at 39 and a half. I bet on Air Raid AJ to take us to the promised land. And it turned out, no matter how many GTFOs that AJ decided to yell from that press box, which, by the way, I thought that stood for go tail fresh is over, but cannot confirm. Uh, We couldn't get across the finish line on this over. And not counting it for the official record because it was a live ad. But just a kick in the pants again on a total. But I've learned my lessons from week two, and we will adjust. Um, My takeaways from this one, I don't know. The Arlington offense is in shambles, it seems. Uh, They scored two touchdowns last week, both on defense. They scored two touchdowns this week, both set up by their special teams. Their punt gunners whacked it away from Will Likely. And they had two scoring drives, one from the plus 23, one from the plus 40. So, through eight quarters of football, Arlington has yet to sustain a normal drive that starts in their own territory. I was disappointed with the offensive line. Again, I said it was the best unit on paper coming in of all eight teams. They've just let me down. They gave up five sacks. That Wade Phillips 3 4, continuing to feast on these opposing quarterbacks. Tim Ward, just a force up front. But I have to give it to. Drew Plitt, on that two-point conversion. Uh, He did show some magic back there. That was a special play. Kind of reminded me of Mikey's cousin Johnny. Uh, He got that one out to Tyler Vaughn. It's probably the highlight of the night for Arlington uh, when they took that 14-11 lead. But on the other side, I said Thursday, if Brandon Silvers throws two picks again like he did in week one, they'd lose. Well, Zook, the only thing Brandon Silvers threw was a couple of Fs and SHs and maybe a GD or two. Right on live TV. (laughs) So XFL South After Dark sure delivered for us. And I love the commitment by the guys in the truck. Uh, He said that, then they went right back to him on the next drive. And he he threw a couple more out there. What did you think he was going to say? Oh, the ref made a great call on that play. Of course not. This is Brandon Silvers we're talking about here. If The Rock can say it, why can't Brandon Silvers say it? It's not fair. Screw the dumb button. Let it live. This is the XFL. Silvers did make good points in his rants, by the way. I know most of you sat at home and were like, (gasps) but listen to him. He's talking about not being able to do certain things. This is what we want in the XFL. We want this access. And he does care about upholding that Houston standard. We know that. I got to credit the Arlington secondary, though. They did held him to 173 yards passing, which was 100 yards less than what they actually had last week. Uh, Cedric Bird. Went and made a great play. I think Mikey Manziel broke that one down. He scored in the third. Um, Just a fearless route down the middle with safeties closing in. Credit him. Uh, Coach Phillips knows I'm sure they have some things to clean up there. Uh, Really three things for me, for Houston. Uh, The first one being you got to clean up your special teams because that could have lost the game for you. And it doesn't all come down to Will Likely. He may have been the ones that fumbled the ball. But what about the blockers? Who's blocking for Will to make sure he has a lane? We saw them open up a 52-yard a punt return for him in the first quarter. They opened up a lane there, but I do. I, I give it 75-25. That's 75% on likely and 25% on the punt coverage. It's, it doesn't always come down to one player. They got to clean that up. Um, that was all of Arlington points came off those mistakes. You have to find more ways to get Cole McDonald in the game. I know he's learning, and it's similar to D'Eric King in D.C., right? He's a dual threat. You got to find him more ways in. Keep creating those takeaways is the last thing. Um, They forced a pick and a fumble, and on top of last week, they forced a bunch of turnovers. For Arlington, it's just a long way to go. The quarterback play is not there for the Renegades. Versus Houston, their quarterback play seems to be all right. Look at Ben Putman with 65 yards receiving. John Kirkland, another big game, almost had a touchdown catch that was called back. Wade Phillips challenged it for a legal contact on the overthrow, but that one uh, was a tough for the over. Just, again, killed us there. Came down to the end. I thought A.J. Smith might go for three. He's not June Jones. We couldn't count on him, but, again, just a tough total to lose. Um, I just – I feel like the running game – for Arlington has just been completely ineffective. And with Keith Ford and Davion Smith and Adrian Killens, who decided to run backwards about 15 yards on Sunday night and and totally screw any chance of Arlington's rushing stats looking half decent, I just, uh, this is a letdown from this offensive line and these running backs. There's your team touchdowns. Arlington with two on the season. That's last in the league. Two offensive touchdowns. So Bob Stoops can't be happy. And they need to make some serious changes. I'm not saying where. I don't know if Sloter is the answer. Um, I'm not a coach. They are, so they'll figure it out. But something's got to change because I'm one game away from putting San Antonio over Arlington in that Texas trio. And I don't want to have to do that because I truly would be shocked. I think Arlington's the better team. They get Orlando, so you better fix it this week because this is your only chance before the schedule gets really, really tough for the Arlington Renegades. And after all those breakdowns and and letting you know how the teams got to where they did in the standings, we have our own rankings here. The Boulevard Power Poll coming back here after week two. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. DC's number one. Matty Fresh, the big DC fan. Woo, a big surprise there. Look, he's got the jersey on the wall. He's wearing the hat. He's got Michael Joseph. Shout out Mike Joe, by the way, sitting here on the desk. Give me a chance, at least, to tell you why DC belongs at number one. Rod Woodson sat there and said they ran two plays. Two plays. In the second half, Vegas couldn't stop it. How do you not stop it? It's because you have a great offensive line. That's missing two starters, by the way. You have great rushing. Your running backs, Abram Smith, Ryquel Armstead, both getting a carry share. I think Armstead had 15 carries, along with another 11 for Smith. He scored, and that defense clearly, D.C. has the best defensive coordinator in the league with Greg Williams. The way in which they allow Vegas to score after an offensive turnover at the one, to have your only touchdown of the day be a one-yard gain? Come on. That's huge on defense. Reggie Northrup was involved. I just feel like going into this St. Louis game, D.C. has a real chance here to prove themselves as the class of the XFL. I pointed to Houston being a very complete team. Now I'm going to point to DC because of what they were able to do on offense in the second half. Yes, they look sloppy to start, but clearly we go back to the principle I said before until about the mid season point when these passing attacks are up and running and maybe teams don't have to worry about that February and March weather as much as they had in the past then the run game is going to work. And D.C., to me, is the only team in this league that has ran the ball effectively. Maybe outside of San Antonio in week one, but they were a no-show this week. Who else is running the ball? 229 on the ground. That's going to win you a championship and your defense. So I got D.C. above Houston. Houston, to me, not very impressive against Arlington. Again, I understand that both of Arlington's touchdowns came off of turnovers, but the offense didn't do it for me, guys. You can't have... 173 yards passing and call yourself the air raid. And A.J. Smith will tell you that. You simply can't have it. St. Louis had three. Again, huge statement chance on uh, Sunday. I don't think it's going to work out for them, but big chance for them. I know people will say, I'm sleeping on the Battle Hawks. Well, it was close between two and three there, but we'll see. Uh, Arlington drops to four. Again, I know there's going to be Brahma's fans that are going to want me to put them over Arlington. Don't think that's going to happen. And then in the basement, Seattle, Las Vegas, and Orlando. So that is our XFL Power Poll. I know we went over some of our bets in week two, but let's take you through them again. How did we do here on the boulevard? DC plus three. I know Mike got on me for not taking the points. I did sprinkle the money line. I'm not going to count it as an official play, but plus three got us home. DC is our cash cow, of course. A kick in the pants on that San Antonio under. Brutal. Take that block pun away. That's a cash. Thursday night, Zook started off tough. Seattle minus three again. They had it right where they wanted it.
1: Nah, they just turn over the ball too much. I'm tired of it. You know yeah. what I think they need to do? They need to, you know, when you're in high school? Yeah. And you got to hold on to the football for the entire day? Yeah. I think the entire... Carry it through the halls. I think everybody on the offense needs to do that. And just go to punch it out or something it's cool too because like, you'll be in the uh, xfl
0: hub and you got seven other teams that can blitz you in the hallway
1: that'd be great just send them from all directions because you know what we're not going to win a game if you turn over the ball that much what was that? you might be minus five
0: might beat orlando oh maybe yeah they are minus five i don't know over differential we'll that's see. really bad but yeah Sea dragons need that get right game they got it they got to get it sometime here we'll talk about their preview on thursday And Mikey Manziel, he faded me with the over. Here's the thing, Mike. You never sent a receipt. So, for as many uh, gas receipts and expense reports that you like to turn in and and write off as part of Spring Ball Boulevard, you never turned in your best bet. So, we're not counting it. You're still 0-1. Sorry, Mike. Sorry. We actually bet these games. Zook lost money this weekend. I was even, luckily. Actually, I lost a bit. Lost about a half unit on that Arlington over. But – Two and two against the spread. Zook out one and one. We're dead even. We're trying to get to 55%. We're at 50 right now. So, we could be worse. You could be Mikey Manziel and not bet your own games.
1: We will be better. I promise. We're
0: going to adjust in week three. That's what we're here for.
1: I'm not going to bet Seattle anymore. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I know you say that with your NFL team, the Eagles. Oh, so never bet your own team, right? That's a, that's a key. Not with your heart, with your head, always. So thank you for joining us live here on your Monday night or whenever you catch us. We are up on podcasts now. We want you to watch the show. But if you're working out or in the car, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get those, check us out, Spring Ball Boulevard. Two weeks in, we're still here, guys. The wheels might be greasy. But we're still rolling. Thanks to Zook. For Chris Zook, who got himself out of the plunger back in week one. And then Mikey in the Viper diaper tonight. I'm Matty Fresh. What will be in store for week three between these two guys? Can't wait to see that. Until then, take it easy. We'll see you Thursday.